It was at the 2002 Winter Olympics that I started becoming really known as a, as a, a PA announcer for cross-country skiing and biathlon. And after the games, I didn't really have a place to go with my announcing. So in the early to mid-2000s, I kind of created a cottage industry for myself on the side of selling real estate and coaching high school distance running of announcing ski races around the upper Midwest. Ski racers would hire me to set up my sound system and I would set the tone for the day and announce the ski races over a public address system. It was at a USSA Super Tour in Telemark, Wisconsin. And I would guess it was probably 2004 or 2005, but I think it was 2004 when I first saw this fellow. I wasn't perhaps on top of things as much as I am today because it really wasn't a job yet. I was just kind of winging it. But this guy came to me as a bolt from left field. I remember the yellow, red, and blue suit of the Subaru factory team that this racer wore, and he was just flying. He looked out of place in a USSA Super Tour. That's the kind of impression he made on me. I mean, he looked like a major leaguer in the minor leagues. And I had seen enough ski racing in my life to that point to know that much. As he roared by, I thought, who is that guy? I checked the start list and cross-referenced the number, and it was the first time I heard of Ivan Bobikov. This episode of Threshold is brought to you by Solomon. Solomon has committed to a responsible tomorrow by refocusing the entire company and its operations to create responsible products with a smaller footprint on the environment. Solomon's goal is to drive change within our communities by creating more inclusive outdoor experiences. At the same time, they are committed to conducting their business responsibly while delivering high-performing products with the most innovative designs. You can enjoy winter knowing that Solomon is taking steps to preserve that winter for you to enjoy. When we all act responsibly, tomorrow is yours. Check out Solomon's full line of skis, boots, clothing, and accessories at Solomon.com. That's S-A-L-O-M-O-N.com. Solomon, tomorrow is yours. The thing about regional ski racing or domestic national ski racing, or even Continental Cup racing sometimes, is you never really know exactly what you're looking at in pure terms at an outlier performance in those settings. I remember the U.S. being plagued by that when I was racing. When I'd shot 15 for 15 in a trials event and was leading a domestic biathlon event with two laps to go by over four minutes, I remember John Morton yelling to me on the trail, you're racing the Europeans today. It was a cool thing to hear, but pretty vague too. When John Bauer spanked the field at U.S. Nationals by nearly two minutes over a 10-kilometer classic in Lake Placid, all we as a community could do is speculate where that might have been on the World Cup on that day. But if he didn't do it there, it felt like an echo chamber of what it really might be as a performance. And until he beat all the Americans in a World Cup by two minutes, it was all just hanging out there in the ether. It's hard to get a sense where you really stand in the world order in that setup. Ivan Bobikov was doing that in the mid-2000s, week in and week out on the Super Tour. He skied like a World Cup skier, both technically and in intensity, but all we could do on the sidelines was speculate as to how good he really was. It could go both ways too. An optimist might say, well, he's putting the kinds of time on guys who've been on the World Cup that would put him in the sharp end of the spear. But the pessimist could also perhaps emphatically point out that he wasn't good enough to make the Russian World Cup team, so the rest of the Super Tour field was even further back from the world's elite than they thought. But winning a big ski race where athletes of considerable talent have expended resources to win is not easy, no matter where you are. So, to best every American and Canadian domestic elite ski racer and even some European NCAA skiers with some pretty good resumes, who are obviously no slouches either, and do that week in and week out, almost without question, for a couple of seasons, well, he had to be pretty damn good. And it turns out, he was that good. 
Ivan Babakov is perhaps the only skier in history to leave a powerhouse ski nation almost unnoticed by his home country's national program. Then emerge atop that program years later, having moved half a world away to a weaker ski circuit, coaching himself and scraping by. But that's exactly what Ivan Babikov did, and his tale is one for the ages. Now retired from ski racing and serving as the Director of Operations and Provincial Manager for Ski Alberta, Ivan Babikov sat down with us from his home in Edmonton to discuss his Forrest Gump-like life as an elite Olympic ski racer for both Russia and Canada, two very different nations and ski programs. Ivan, welcome to Threshold. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we're really excited to have you here too. Is I want to get into like you know I think that you have so many interesting cultural aspects to your whole life, and sport is kind of woven into that story of your life. But let's go kind of back to where it starts, at least with sport. Cross country skiing really has a front seat in Russian sports culture, and and I want to start this interview with you as an adult, an Olympian ski coach today in Canada, and a Canadian, and ask you to describe how you got into ski racing in Russia as a kid and how that shaped your view of sport and of the world. Whoa, that's a that's a that's a big one. That's a top there's yeah. lots of lots of aspect in that question, right? Like well yeah. you mentioned you mentioned that uh, sport is kind of like was part of my life or how do you say it evolved yeah. in my life, right? That, yeah. But I I would say sport is my life. It was yeah. my life. Yeah, at least until I was competing. Now it's a different side of it. I'm coaching and I'm managing and mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but it was my life. That's a part of the culture, you know? Like mm-hmm. that's part of the how I grew up, right? Like how right. I started it. It's a different story. So I was nine, nine year old and uh, I love playing soccer. I still love playing soccer. I love yeah. playing the local league here with the, with the bushwhackers yeah. like myself, you know, <laughs> but that was yeah. one of my early passions, right? I, I was good at it and I was playing and, and actually that's a funny story how I got into sport because I, I was, um, it was summer and I see just walk, just uh, wandering around the streets and I see on the, on the soccer field, my teammates or some of my classmates were playing soccer and I'm like, Oh my God, guys, take me, take me. I'm, I'm good. I'm, and they kind of like being cool. You can't play with us. You're not like, you got to be part of the ski school kind of to play to play with us you know to ex- yeah. i'm like whatever sign me up like who, who yeah. do i talk to you know like and so like for actually for a couple of years i was just going i signing up because it's like a ski program but it's kind right. of full year full year program right with uh through the summer through the fall winter all of it right so and actually for two years from nine ten maybe eleven year old i was just coming for summer i like sign up yeah, yeah i'll i promise coach i'll be skiing and i <laughs> just play fall summer fall and just like okay peace you know, see you in spring again. <laughs> because, uh, well, I didn't know much about skiing and like it just kind of didn't interest in me. And then yeah. one year I kind of stuck around and, and I tried yeah. it and I kind of got into it. I loved it. And my, like I said, it's it, uh, at that age, social aspect of it is a yeah. huge, huge part of it. Right. So, yeah. so, and I, I tried it and I was, t- I was terrible. You know, that's, that's the story I'd like to also um, tell like to the kids just don't yeah. don't get frustrated because I was always the shortest the smallest kid in my class mm-hmm. you know in my age yeah. and and it was extremely hard for me to compete with other kids in in my in in my age category right but yeah. I stuck around and I and I uh, for many years and year after year I saw improvement improvement and and yeah eventually it became something good out of me and what what city or what city or town were where did you grow up in Okay, <laughs> you're gonna use some Google Google Maps or something. Okay. <laughs> so I, I was born in a little village called Kozhva. So it's K O Z H V A. Okay. And it's north uh, west of Russia. So if you look, it, it's hard to explain. So from Moscow, it's pretty much north. 
um, east, I believe, a little bit, but it's okay. quite straight north. So, like towards not, Murmansk, not, is it up towards Murmansk or uh, is Murmansk it? would be more to the west? Rest, okay. Yeah, got I it. was east yep. from the Murmansk. There's a Ural okay. Mountains, so yeah. like I, I wasn't too far. Like I could see them really far uh, from yeah. my window. Like it's, uh, I, I've been there maybe a couple of times, but there's not much infrastructure, at least in, mm-hmm. in that at the time when I was there, right? So it's so uh, like uh, needless to say, the winters we yeah it, it is like northern it's like white horse you know like yeah, we're close yeah. to alaska right when we're like yeah. i don't know like uh, during the winter we have two three hours of daylight it's kind of yeah. twilight mostly it's not even sun and yeah. and through the in the summer we have 24 hour sun pretty much yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, so it's yeah. that that far north right so yeah. so that's that's where i'm from and how many how many people in that city and how many kids in your ski club in that club that you joined Oh, the village, the village, it's not a city, it's a village, city, yeah, it's okay. pretty much village. village, yeah. So we had only one school for all okay. of the grades, and uh, I think it was like back then it was 3,500 people. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, something like 4,000 people maybe max. And in yeah. my, in the, in the ski, a ski academy or ski school, like I don't know, we don't have a, there's no, no, um, uh, word in English for the word in Russian, but like, it's pretty much, so we had a, we had a main building where we Mm -hmm. all gathered, right? So, and it was all ages. So I would say at the most, we had maybe 20 kids at the, at the, at the whole, like of all ages. Right. So, and that's, and the program is, it's kind of partially after school and, and sports program, you know, for all the kids. So I remember I'm just coming back, dropping my backpack with a, with the school supplies and running to that place. You know, where, that's where we all gather. There's a ping pong table. Like we play ping pong nonstop. And again, it's, it's that's, that's, that's where I'm, I'm lucky kind yeah. of blessed with that. We, I got developed at, in, in all of the sports. I remember even yeah. after the, we done ski session, like there was a competition who first runs back to the to the house and and get in the queue to play ping pong like you know like, <laughs> nobody cared yeah. about skiing well we all wanted to play ping pong yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, just yeah. to give you perspective <laughs> yeah so culturally speaking when you're from a, a smaller village in 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 northern russia what was the what was your awareness like even after you even though you weren't really that focused on being a skier and you played soccer and that's kind of what drew you in how did you were you aware of like Russia being a good country at cross country skiing internationally and in the Olympics as a kid? Oh, of course. Yeah, like how can you, how can you not see that? Right. It's on right, TV. Right, and right. Uh, like, like I said, the, not even skiing, but the sport in general in Russia mm-hmm. is, uh, is, is quite valuable, right? The right. whole system is quite valuable. It's a, it's a job for people right. to be involved in that. Right. And to represent country, it's, 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 it means something big, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, you can, th- it's your career pretty much. You can, you can make a living by being an athlete pretty much yeah. whole life, right. Until you retire. Yeah. And then, even after that, you'll be set up because yeah. you have connection like through the police or through the army or whatever right. you know there is a structures that like you yeah. you represent and and they and they uh, kind of kind of employ you because you're a good athlete right so yeah. so of course like i remember watching black and white and all of the all of the all our stars and and racing yeah. and beating norwegians and olympic games yeah. and burn dally and all of it of course yeah, yeah we we knew we had some some talented and our yeah. region so the the village where i'm from it's it's part it's in the komi republic which is it's mm-hmm. a province right Komi yeah. and uh, we uh, historically we had because again we had snow we had right. lots of venues right and we historically uh, that our province been producing some like great skiers yeah. like Lo- Rochev Smetanina like that's back yeah. in the time right and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we always been so that's why the system was set up there for yeah. to to uh, to make good athletes good skiers 
So, so Smetanina is she's the best. Basically, before maybe Marit Bjorgen, she's the best skier, female skier in history. Um, just so, so if people aren't aware of Smetanina, so that's a pretty big. Those are big shoes yeah. to fill as a kid. So, so I was going to ask you, did you have a personal, you know, at that time and when you got into skiers, did you have a personal uh, hero as, as a skier, a Russian hero? Well, yeah, like Zimatov and you yeah. know, uh, well, Rochev. That was that was yeah. that's from pretty much our our republic to his his medalist and whatnot, right? right? But there's a lot. Divitiarov, Zimatov. Yeah. There's there's tons yeah. of people, and I remember in 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 our ski ski building or ski school where we kind of gathered, it was always like uh, posters of them or or little, you know how in all all time we had a kind of frame by frame their ski technique of each different right. style. You know, well back then it was only classic. It was was no skate right. it was just starting right. but but we were all like looking and coach kind of talking about them how like you need to be what, what do you need to look like when you ski yeah. pretty much yeah but yeah. definitely yeah okay so now you're we're gonna we're gonna kind of go back and forth between your russian and canada canadian experiences because i think that's really the duality of that is pretty interesting so the question the next question is um you're now in charge of of developing young athletes for Alberta for for Alberta. Nor, um, what what is the organization called? It's uh, Nordic Alberta. Is that what it is? Nordic Alberta, correct. Yeah. Nordic Alberta. So, um, just kind of tell me what is similar. Let's start with what's similar to your experience growing up in Russia and and, and the experience the kids that are working under you in Alberta. What's similar in, in in those experiences? Do you think from a young kid in Canada under your program and and, and who you were in Russia? Ah. Uh, hard to say like similar yeah. similar is it's kids kids on skis yeah, right yeah. with a yeah. smile on their face especially yeah, like yeah. well they, they, it's called differently but but the system of course quite different but like right. the, how it starts it starts everywhere it's similar right it's it's yeah. little kids on the skis with a smile on their face and enjoying yeah. themselves right and yeah. Yeah. It, it's where where it goes after you know like the club system you know the government system the support that that's where right. it's all differentiates but but yeah. uh, the similarities like it's all it's uh, russian people or norwegian people or athletes let's say refer to athletes right. russian athletes yeah. you know norwegian athletes it's the same people same human sure. beings right there is yeah, no yeah, yeah. there is no uh, any special science going on it's just hard right. work hard work right. perseverance and years of training right and getting yeah. better <laughs> so hit me with some of the things that you think are, are pivotably or or maybe different to the extent that your experience in russia uh sort of drives you as as a director today in Canada what are the things that you're trying to maybe emulate from your experience as a Russian kid um well I ran I ran quite a few training camps right and mm -hmm. and at least in those because I don't have I do have influence I do I do work with clubs right but yeah. it's to the certain level right we de develop coaches right so so right. that's kind of and and from the coaches coaches develop athletes right so right. so we're trying to fix it it's a but the cultural difference and and the how spread out we are right it's it's mm -hmm. quite challenging right like so it's uh, but at least at the camps i'm trying to bring the the focused and uh, uh, just a, just the approach just a how do I say it? Um, the way the way you approach tra training process, right? And mm -hmm. what does it mean to you? Like the, like being focused and being because you come out there not per se having fun all the time, but there is right. a there's a time when you have to like. 
I know it's not easy and like this is the last thing I want to do now but I, yeah. I have to do it you know like this yeah. is how I yeah. improve you know like so yeah. so that but you see the difference is here it's considered an amateur sport right so like right. for I've seen many generation of athletes and and for them it's kind of temporary thing right like oh I'll, I'll, I'll go through maybe high school and see how it right. goes there and after that I'll, I'll go to university and actually be somebody <laughs> right, you know, right. when, 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 when where, where I grew up you know when I was doing that like there was something like government supports you not just uh, uh, national government but also provincial government mm-hmm. supports you right there is coaches supported you know like mm-hmm. there is uh, there's uh, there's quite a big of a difference in that so right. like from that point of view you see like okay there is a future in it you know like right. I can actually be somebody I can I can sustain myself I can support my family and do what I love which is which yeah. is sport or cross-country ski right yeah cool Okay, let's uh, let's change. Let's talk a little bit about like your development in Russia. How did you advance to the higher levels within Russia when you were a young athlete? Like, what were some of the big breakthroughs you had? If you had any, and and how did you get? How do you feel you made those breakthroughs happen for you? Um. Again, trying to shorten all of it, right? Because yeah. it's a pretty long period. So, For like, sure. I, I like I consider myself really lucky and blessed with the people I had around me, right? So, like mm-hmm. through that, through the development process, I had three coaches, three quite mm-hmm. different coaches that I that I that I was working with for quite a few years. So, like that first one with the soccer. So, so that's I would say that's from nine till 14, 15 year old. That's where mm-hmm. I stayed with the, that group and that coach, and he was more of a. Um, kind of any sport coach right so he had yeah. a background and all of the coaches in Russia you have a background to teach to certain level any kind of sport right so right. I remember growing up in the summertime he he taught us like everything from track and field we had a month where we did track and field and he introduced like show like what's to properly to run how like right. properly jump high jump long jump right all those little at least basic stuff um, and uh, and so like all of the sports, swimming and everything. So so that was a base, right? That that really yeah. important base for any athletes to to have right. that overall right. yeah. experience, right? So and after that, I moved actually across the river to the bigger city to go to high school, and okay. uh, with and family moved. So and that's where my second coach was. So that was a bit more. So that's already junior year from like fifteen till to, uh, and I stayed there until I was seventeen. So like again, two three years, and that was yeah. was a, a bit more. Pro, uh, focus process focused approach to mm-hmm. to actually cross-country skiing aspect we still had fun we still played soccer we still played volleyball we yeah. played basketball and stuff but but i would say majority of the workouts we started doing some technique stuff we started doing some of the crucial stuff you know like endurance like longer yeah. hours and whatnot you know and and that's where i i noticed uh, like again with the first coach i remember all the competition i was uh, it was two, two of us i was either last or second last <laughs> and that's what that was one of that's how we how we kind of enjoyed it and and celebrated you know like one day i beat you i'm not the last today you know and my first next day so that kind of kept me in the sport even though now looking at it i'm like how did that why did i stay in it you know like because if you if you don't constantly last what's what's the point in it but anyway it was somehow it was fun for me and 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 that wasn't bothering me at all that i wasn't on the podium or getting medals or whatnot but then like through the with my second coach from 14 till 17 year old like that's where i started already developing techniques starting getting more stronger and and that's where i started proving and i was already kind of still not the top but maybe kind of middle mid-tier in in 
in my age category, you know, still lots yeah. of work to do. But and uh, yeah. so after that, I finished high school and I got into university to uh, it's it's a, a sports educational program. It's called so it's like pretty much yeah. I'll be able to teach any sport in school yeah. or be or be more high performance coach with if if I choose the direction, right? So yeah. so I got to university and that place called Siktivkar. So that's a capital of our Komi Republic. And then when I got there, I got assigned to the coach who's was also there's also Rochev's group was but I yeah. wasn't good enough to get there so that coach was just below kind of yeah. and uh, and I remember uh, the first couple first day when I got there he like set us down it was just myself and it was a couple more uh, other like uh, kids just joining program yeah. from other places I remember he set us down and he said like it's gonna be hard you're gonna be in pain you're gonna be tired and mm-hmm. and uh, most likely don't expect any results within two or three years yeah you know that's that's the first speech was it yeah. you know like yeah. but if you stick with me if you stick with those if you get through those three years yeah. you'll see improvement you'll see you'll be you'll be one of the best or you're getting yeah. you'll be getting there at least in the province i'm talking province right yeah. not yeah, the yeah, national province, stuff right. Right. and i remember i'm kidding you not i remember first two weeks i could not walk straight down the stairs like my <laughs> legs was constantly trashed because we yeah. were doing bounding like non-stop we yeah, strength yeah. we're doing all of it and hours just increased through the roof you know and yeah. and i remember i was like that first year or year and a half all of the races like i was tired i was racing tired there was there was no recovery right yeah. even though even though i was improving slowly but uh, but that again that was another base but more specific spe- special base for cross-country skiing was done when i was from 17 until about 21 okay so in that time frame you you weren't you weren't really even yet a a national national name. You're 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 trying to re- oh, no. get the reason. Okay, so when did you start? Did you at any point in Russia? So just give me an idea. So you're in your early twenties. When did you come to Canada? I moved in when I was twenty three. So right after I moved, finished university. Yeah. Okay, so so it, while you were in Russia, you never really made the radar of the Russian national team. I was close. So last okay. year, like, so in juniors, I was quite good in juniors last yeah. year. Um, I was in skate. My best result at junior junior Russian championship, I, I was 12th, I believe, yeah. in the individual yeah. race. But in the relay, because we had a really strong team, and Vasily Rochev, like, so, so son of the other Vasily right. Rochev, like, the right, guy right. who was in Olympic Games with me later on, right. you know, like, so right. he was part of the team. And we actually managed to be second. So we finished second yeah. in, in, okay. in Russia, you know, in junior championship, which is... Yeah. And that was huge. my highlight. Yeah, yeah was, that was huge. my highlight. But again, 12th yeah. was for me like, a, oh my God, celebration. But it still wasn't good enough to make the Russian junior national team. So, so you didn't make the Russian junior national team. Well, the depth of the Russian skiing is, has always been incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Norway today is a powerhouse, but certainly periods of Soviet and Russian skiing have similar, if not greater depth than, than, than Norway today even. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, how did, how did you then end up in Canada and... And what did that mean to you when you decided to come to Canada as a ski racer? <laughs> See, that's that's where the confusion comes. So lots of yeah. you're not the only one. So lots of people asking, like they think that I I moved to Canada to pursue my ski career or because I'm a skier, you know, to right. maybe for whatever reason. But that's not right. the case. So when I finished university, um, so 2003, um, and just to remind you, in Russia, it's still a case and with everything happening now. But anyway, yeah. uh, you have to, you, a, a, any male citizen 
from age of 18 until 32, you have to go to army for two right. years or three years, depending on the, on the army type you go to. Right. So, right. and that's a mandatory, you have to do this. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so, and you, you can delay it if you go to university, which what I did right after high school, but usually right. after high school, majority of 18 year old kids just go to army for two years and come back right. on day 20. And then, so, and I, I was in the sport university for, for five years and in 2003, when I finished it, like I was supposed to go to army pretty much, but mm-hmm. my sister, she, immigrated to Canada with her husband in in 2000 and she started her own process sponsorship process for me and my mom you know kind of on the side that was in 2000 you know and and uh, and I actually visit her uh, then in in 2000 uh, um, in the winter for briefly and I really liked it but anyway so I wasn't back back then in 2000 I didn't even think about moving to Canada I had something going I was an athlete I was in university you know and and then all of a sudden in 2003 documents come through and my sister Hey, and my, my 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 father passed away when I was fourteen. So it was still okay. fourteen year old, still still in Kojwa, right? So it was just my mom and myself and my yeah. sister already in Toronto. So. Okay. And, 2003 documents came through and my mom all of a sudden and they kind of did it quietly <laughs> without me because I, yeah. I had I, I was already I had a wife I had a kid I was 23 and uh, uh, and all of a sudden like hey let's move we're moving to Canada and I'm like. All of a sudden, I had a choice. Like, do I go to army right after? Like, you know, yeah. and and come back and continue skiing, or try to do whatever, or or continue maybe ski for army during yeah. while while in army. Like that that was an option too. Or I moved to Canada, you know. To yeah. and the choice was pretty simple. And I thought, well, I wanna I want a better lifestyle for my wife, for my kids. They're growing up, you know, and 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 my family's there. So and that's how I moved. So and actually, when I moved to Toronto, and we moved in spring. And uh, so I spent this summer in Toronto, and Toronto is not a ski place, as you, <laughs> yeah, as you can yeah. imagine. So for the whole summer, just because I was an athlete and I was doing that like like on the clock for so many yeah. years, I just like, well, I have to continue, even though I had no idea if I'm going to be skiing or not. You right. know, like I, right. Because I'm like, well, I don't know, Canada, I didn't know what's the skiing like in Canada. And in yeah. Russia, I wasn't. So I... In, so after I turned into seniors, like I yeah. wasn't like I was top thirty a few times in Russia, right. but but right. again, I saw that. nowhere, <laughs> no nowhere like you know like yeah. um, I'm on the national team. So I I kind of like I didn't know what to do. I was at the so I started working at the grocery shop to to make some money to hopefully yeah. go to to visit my wife again and supporting her and, and whatnot. And uh, so I trained in 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 Toronto in summer, <laughs> which is like there's a couple yeah. parks and there's really limited stuff. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah so that's that's how I pretty much ended up in Canada. So let's go from Toronto then. Like you started racing, I think you, st- if I'm not mistaken, in about 04 or 05, you started racing for these, the factory team. Is that right? Like, oh, like that, a, that's you, yeah. you fast forwarding. So I, so okay. in 2003, I, so there was a competition and I'm like, again, I wasn't part of any club. I was still right. in Toronto. And even though I, I my mom like kind of connected with some of the officials from Nordic right. Canada, but back then it was cross country Canada. And, right. uh, and, and there was a, there was a team it's called XC.com. So Phil oh, yeah. ran, ran XC.com. So it's kind of that. similar to what Andrew Gerlach was doing with factory right. team. Right. And, right. and that was kind of a boom of those things. We had so many, right. right? In States yeah. we had factory team, we had uh, Matthew's team, Rosignol yeah, team. No team. 
team, yeah. Fisher yeah. team, I believe, right? And it was a, quite a rivalry, and it was a golden right. time, so that stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> right? yeah. So, so, and so, but 2003, 2004 I, season, mm-hmm. I raced in Canada, and like, I just, I didn't know what to expect, so, and right. the guys, Phil from XC.com said, well, there is a race in BC, just come out and, and, uh, and, and do like a, a race, you know, and see, yeah. see what it's like, right? Because he had no idea who am I, right. you know, like, right, right. it was just a talk before, you know, like, and yeah. uh, he still remember I show up at his at his door with like ripped running shoes and one duffel bag and like hi <laughs> like yeah where do I live you know like <laughs> and he, yeah. he kind of again I'm, I'm super blessed with the people who was around me yeah. like you know in states yeah. and Canada too so he like gave me his basement and that's where I lived we went to BC and I raced and I, and I ended up second and there was a yeah. Canadian cup you know like and yeah, everyone's yeah. like oh my god who's, who, this, guy? who's, yeah. this? who's this guy yeah. and now and yeah. and for me it was just like Okay, so I'm still I still got it, you know. I can, yeah, totally. I can, I can I can I can achieve something, you know. But but yeah. the trick is, so when I moved, I got permanent residency, but I didn't have passport, yeah. so I couldn't get passport for another three to five years, depending right. on circumstances. So right. I still hold held a Russian fish license. So right. technically, I'm still a Russian skier, but even though right. I'm competing in in Canada, so that right. fast forward that season, I pretty much won every single if not maybe every second if not every single yeah, yeah, race yeah. you know like trying to make money because i'm like this is this is why i'm doing this right now too right. like i need to support my family i need to save up for and because my wife and my son in russia and i was planning to go back in the summer to spend right. time with them and maybe train there and come back and that's what i did for three years which was okay. the probably the most difficult time of my life because they yeah. they over there my son growing up and i can't see him but they have to race so i as you can imagine i jump in every single race whatever i right. could, could get right. my hands on so I raised that, that, that season in Canada and I'm like, we sit down with Phil and I'm broke. Like, yeah. because I spent the, the price money is, is, is not Russia not or enough, Norway right. or no, right. you know, so like after the travel hotels and everything, you know, and food, like yeah. I'm pretty much even and I win yeah. everything and Phil's yeah. just like, Hey dude, I can't, this is, this is how it is. Right. Yeah. Like I can't do anything. Maybe go in States. Maybe. So that's yeah. how he connected with Andrew Gerlach. And that's yeah. how I, uh, how I got on the next season. I got on the factory team. Okay. Well, that, that was great. Yeah, that was all all because I started picking you up when you were on the factory team. I recognized who you were because, I mean, I, I'm standing on a trail at Telemark and this and this guy in a Subaru factory or a factory team suit comes by and he's skiing like, holy crap, this guy's a skier. Like and your tempo and your <laughs> kick is strong and and then I, and and, I, and then I saw the name Bobby Koff. I'm like, I've never seen this guy because I knew who everybody was. And then from that point on, I mean, you just kind of became a fixture of, of the North American ski circuit. I mean, you were really dominating the North, Amer- the North American domestic circuit. Um, and did that give you, you know, that, that, did that give you a new perspective on yourself, on yourself as a ski racer? I mean, it's cool to show up at a race that may not be as deep as a national race in Russia, but still coming to a series of the relatively steep investment in the ski racing by everyone around you. And just beating everyone week in and week out. Did that give you a confidence maybe you didn't have before when you were in Russia? I, I appreciate you saying this. And, and actually, uh, you, you com- completely correct. You know, like yeah. the confidence. I think that's what. Uh, so like those three pillars before, like those three coaches, they got me right. to that point. Right. And prepared me for this. And then all of a sudden. And again, in Russia, I, I could have ended up like like you know mid mid tier skier right but right, because right. i moved i got in canada and i and i learned how to win i felt it yeah. right and i and yeah. I, I i was confident you know like and i knew i can do it and i think that was a huge boost for for my performance like for, 
yeah. uh, like after that, right? So first in Canada, it was like a step by step, right? Even though I didn't plan for it, it's just right. it just happened that way, right? I was yeah. winning in Canada, and then I got into and actually back then it was combined, right? Like Canada and US, they had a super yeah. tour that combined, which is now right. kind of slowly coming back. But then it right. was like, but it's super tour, of course, was really competitive. You had some sure. always some great skiers from Europe yeah. that coming to university, university skiers, right. NCAA like program was fantastic. You know, like I remember right. one of the years it was later, maybe five or six. Yeah, there was a there was a kid, German kid, was racing for I think Denver University. Yeah, and he, and he was a world champion just year yeah. before, junior yeah. world champion. Junior you know, champion, like, yeah. And, yeah, and so like it was it was amazing. So that was right. a huge boost, and you correct. Like maybe that yeah. was I'm still trying to understand how that happened. Yeah. Like, maybe that's that's how I got into such a good shape in the right in the perfect place in like um, in my mind and, and yeah. physically, you know, mentally yeah. and physically to 2005 when like yeah. all of that stuff just got derailed. And all of a sudden, right. like my world exploded, right? <laughs> I, I, so I, I think about that. And I've thought of this about you because I thought about you since that time. Because, you know, while it's not domestic Russian racing, it's not even OPA Cup or Europa Cup or, or Scandinavian Cup, which tend to have probably a little bit deeper fields. The front end of the domestic series in, in North America, it's not, it's like you said, it's not easy. It's like, you don't just go out and win those races if you're not a really good ski racer, but you like won everything, which is like, so I think it was foreshadowing because you come to Canada now and you get signed to the factory team based out of the US and you start cleaning up on the North Americans. Then I want to get to a point because in December, 2005, 0506, <laughs> before the Torino Olympics in February, late that season, I went back and I looked, and there were World Cups that came to Canmore in December. And there weren't a lot of Russians there. I think there were two of them, like you and maybe somebody else. Is that right? Like, there wasn't a full Russian team there, was there? I think, no, it was quite a few. It may be, I think a couple, couple of them got, got sick, I think. But I think it was four or five at least beside me, yeah. But, but the race but I'm talking about, in the 15K freestyle, you got fourth in the World I Cup. Know. And, and, and you were the top Russian. And I think there was, maybe the guys were sick, but I think there was only, if I'm not mistaken, I looked at it last night or two nights ago, there was only one Russian, other Russian in that, in that race, but you got fourth and, and you weren't a Canadian citizen yet. So you're racing for Russia was what, what did that do for you? Do you think that fourth place finish? It blew my mind pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so just, just, just kind of rewind it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so beginning of 2005 season, right? Yeah. I'm in Yellowstone and I remember like there was a season opener as always, right? right? And I'm and I'm like I know my I know what I'm doing here, you know, that this is my plan. I just came back from Russia, like I was with my wife and my son and season started, okay, back to business, right? Like you super right. tour, here we go. Right? So I'm and I'm I, I and I'm there like a little bit earlier and I remember I think it was one of the USSA uh, like ski federation guys was there. Um, Luke, Luke Bodensteiner, yeah. Yes, but yes, yes. Center, and he yeah. was like, like we kind of knew a little bit of each other from like Berkey and whatnot. And he's yeah, just yeah. like, so, like, how are you? Like, you excited about World Cup because I knew World Cup's coming to Canada, right? And yeah, yeah. Excited about World Cup, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be there, so I'll watch it. It's it's a break between Super Tour, so I'll watch mm -hmm. it. And he's just like, you're not gonna race it. 
And, and I'm like, oh my God, here we go again. Because, you know, like. Yeah, yeah you can't get you, on the Russian you, team. You knew, you knew, like, you know, like, I'm Russian and I'm skiing yeah, in the States. Yeah. And every single person's just like, what's your story? How come you Russian? How, why not you yeah, not yeah, American? Yeah, yeah. Or why are you not Canadian? Right? And, like, I'm like, here we go again. I'm like, Luke, I thought I told you this. Like, I'm, I'm here, but I'm still Russian, Russian citizen. I, I'm still Russian f- r- ski racer, right. pretty much. I, have, right. I cannot just go and enter into the World right. Cup. It doesn't right. work that way. And he's yeah. just like, no, no, no. And so, that year was the first year when FIS introduced uh, Continental Cup. Continental Cup, bingo! Right, and and yeah. because I won the season before, and he's yeah. just like, no, no, you have your own spot. You can actually race World Cup. Like Russian doesn't have ah. to do anything with it, and like I'm right there, just like my world just exploded. I'm yeah. like, what do you, what do you mean? It's just like, yeah, this is a new thing. Fizz trying. So you actually yeah. can enter, like you actually automatically enter. Fizz enters you, not Russians, because you know how can it yeah. be politically yeah. crazy, you know? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. You weren't going to get, that's, that was my question. Like, how did you possibly get that so, spot? And that's, that's the story. And again, yeah. like it's my maybe angel or whatever, like, yeah. you know, this is all like falling. And I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, oh my God. So are you saying I'm going to race world cup in three weeks? Okay, yeah. I don't have time talking to you. I'm gonna go training. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Luke, Luke basically, Luke Bonesteiner basically made you aware that you could race that World Cup. Yes, yes. Okay. I probably would have got aware later, maybe by Canadian yeah. Federation. But he was the first who told me that, and then I'm like, oh my right. god, this is crazy. And that's how I got to race. So, so a Silver Star World Cup in Vernon, like the yeah. weekend before the Canmore. That's where that was my first World Cup, and yeah. and it was, uh, and actually this year, that year. Factory team switched to Solomon, so that was the first yeah. year of Solomon ski. So, so yeah. Solomon rep from France came was to Yellowstone, and he's just like, "Here's the look. This is what we now. We, we, you know, you know, we have great boots, best in the yeah. world, right? Like, yeah, yeah. but we now starting skiing, and we like we all before skied on Fisher, and we just like, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. But then whole club switched for whatever reasons, yeah. you know, and we all had to switch, and I switched, and pretty much they just handed me. And Salmon started getting into the market. So it yeah. was not enough skis from Europe. So they pretty much went and uh, Andy just, Andy with wax tags went to the store and pick out some skis for me. So I <laughs> raced World Cup in the, some, I actually should have asked what store it was, but it was somewhere in the Midwest. <laughs> Salmon yeah. skis out of the store and I ended up skiing in top, in top five on the World Cup on those yeah. skis. And I skied <laughs> on those skis for like probably two, three years, Olympic games, everything. It was yeah. my best skis for like a year, so, you know, like and what, yeah. what, what, what are chances of that? <laughs> Solomon has been an outdoor industry leader for nearly 75 years, and they see action as the way to continue to lead in the modern world. That requires Solomon to lead in sustainability. As a company facing all the modern challenges to the natural environment in which we all play, Solomon has a renewed passion to act as a catalyst, connecting the innovative power of the people of Solomon, partners, innovators, designers, and athletes, to co-create the most responsibly performant products and businesses. Solomon is committed to transform people into agents of positive change, knowing when we help preserve the outdoor spaces that touch your soul, you can feel good about the products you use in the outdoors. You can find out more about Solomon's full lines of outdoor gear, clothing, and accessories, and discover their commitment to sustainability at Solomon.com. That's S-A-L-O-M-O-N.com. Solomon. Tomorrow is yours. I, I do remember some of those early white Solomons being very good, though. And the classic skis yeah. are pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so, so that's, I mean, so, so let's talk about, 
how that sets up the rest of that Olympic year because the Torino mm. Olympics are in 2006. What happened? Like, what <laughs> what kind of conversations did you have with Russia after you finished fourth in Canmore? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think this is this is worth a book, you know, because yeah. you can just just put it in the in the ten minute <laughs> podcast. But and there is lots of things happening. But yeah. you're right. Here we go, and even in Silver Star, so they noticed me in the Silver Star on the race on the on the on the start list, right? And yeah, yeah. Like, Who's Bobby? Who, 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 who's that? We didn't <laughs> we didn't bring we didn't bring him. How how yeah. is he here, and why is he starting? So yeah. they were, they took another conversation because there's some athletes on the team that I actually knew before yeah. I left Russia, right? So so they like really confused. They're like they I I'm just disappeared for two years, and all of a sudden I'm in Canada racing yeah. World Cup. They're like. What 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 are you doing here? Yeah. And then Russian yeah. officials just like that can't be right. Like you cannot be representing us. Like we don't know you. You know you didn't you yeah. didn't get selected. You're not on the national team. You can't do that. And I'm like, no, yeah. this is officials. Like I'm not taking any spots. <laughs> you know you can can still start anybody you want. Yeah. But I'm I'm on my own. Like and yeah. they're like, well, we're not waxing your skis. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. So there was a fill xc.com and Andrew came <laughs> later too. And I'm like, they're gonna prepare. Don't worry, I'm not gonna be bothered. Like okay, yeah. so they like whatever. And then so so, so that we had a there was a sprint um in 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 that silver star race and the yeah. skiathlon which my favorite discipline so yeah. in skiathlon um on the classic i got dropped like i we messed up a little bit kick anyways yeah. long story i got dropped maybe by 25 seconds at the end yeah. on the skate i switched to skate and i'm like i'm a beast so i yeah. catch back the group and i finish in the pack i finish in 14th which is for yeah. me was just like Oh my God, I'm yeah, yeah, skiing yeah. with the best in the world right now. There was Teichman, there was Anger, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, all yeah, of yeah. those, you know, like beside all the strong Russian skiers. And I finished yeah. 14th with the, with the best skate yeah. leg on yeah. the, of that day. Of the you day. Know? And yeah, I'm like, yeah. how is this even possible? Like what, yeah. what, how, you know, like, and yeah. so I'm still like in the, in the clouds, you know, yeah. like, and, and after that Russians just like, well, why are you skiing that suit? You like you support in Russia. You should be skiing in Russian stuff. And I'm like, well, because <laughs> XC.com kind of my club, you know, like and yeah. they wax my skis. You remind you that, you know, remember. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, you have to, you have to have at least Russian flag on it because, and and in in Canmore, in Canmore, and they like we don't have any any extra clothing with you, so we can't yeah. really give you. They give me like a hat or headband or something. So if you find the Canmore race, it's the bizarre thing ever. I'm racing yeah. with Canadian suit with the XC.com patch on it. With the with the Russian hat or Russian headband, <laughs> I don't remember. So it's like a, it's like a mosaic, you know, like because <laughs> yeah. I have to like sit on multiple chairs and yeah. because um, I'm kind of I live in Canada. I race for a factory team, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. with the Russian fist license, with the Russian yeah. flag. When I ski yeah. by, my name pops up, and of course yeah. that fourth place was just like out of this world. Like and yeah, yeah. and and like and and Solomon guys was there too, and they like. For them, imagine like they just first yeah. here in the circuit and they have Solomon skis like on the almost on the podium, yeah. yeah, yeah, almost on the podium. And for them, yeah. there was a huge they're like, oh my god, we gotta sign this guy. And that's how I got <laughs> signed personal deal with Solomon after that. And through my whole career, they supported me. So like th that year was amazing. So yeah. since then, there was there was a, like there were some people who were kind of looking at me from Russian Federation, giving me evil eye a little bit, you know, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. like like uh, like traitor, or whatever, you know, like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you already you you left your motherland and you live here yeah. and now you kind of like still want to you know and i'm like whatever you know i i didn't yeah, ever yeah. get but there's some people who are nice to me who like who i knew yeah. before time and they who knew me as a poor person and and right. that's where i got they they told me they're like hey russian selection criteria for olympic games actually based on the world cup 
And and yeah. if you're skiing in the in the top 30, like you get points for the selections for to yeah. be on the team. And because I was 14th and fourth, I scored like some really decent points. Right. And so one of the officials just like you actually have a pretty good chance making Olympic team. And yeah. again, my world just exploded. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah. What you know? Because before before that, and I knew that. Um, uh, it, Touring is coming, but after that was Vancouver Games, and right. I told Canadian because my plan was always live in Canada, and I told right. Canadian guys like, and we tried to expedite my passport and citizenship, and that was like no go, right. you know. Right, and right, right, and right. I kind of made my made my deal. Okay, um, I can't go for Canada to Turin, so and which would have been valuable experience. So I'll just be on the circuit, you know. But yeah. but then all of a sudden, and that's December, right? And right. Olympic Games in February. February. Like all of a sudden, I have a chance, you know. Like usually people plan like years in advance right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, where i'm gonna be how i'm gonna prepare and all of a yeah. sudden i have chance to go to uh to olympics with russian yeah. team so and after that it's again my trained gut drill like it was yeah. absolutely different world <laughs> so so how did you actually end up making the torino olympic team for russia you, you ended up in davos right did you have to go on your own to davos no, so here here's the story. So we had U.S. nationals, and that was right. you know the ones in January. So like January second to fourth yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And I was still racing for factory team, and uh, I told Andy, and I'm like, and there was a selection race, fifty yeah. uh, k actually in Rybinsk in Russia, like yeah, one of the selection yeah. races for the Olympic Games, and yeah. and it was fifty k skate, and I had to be there. They everyone said like you have to you have to be there to to have a chance, and yeah. I'm like okay, I'm racing U.S. nationals. And I told Andy before that, I'm like, Andy, I might not win or be as good. Like, I'm going to be training through this. I'm going to yeah. be clocking hours because I'm getting ready for the selection races in Russia because this yeah. is an option. So I already bought the ticket and he's just like, well, okay, I understand you. That's fine. And uh, again, I don't, I can't explain how that season worked from like, yeah. like winning or being on the World Cup and personal best in the World Cup. And then US, US Nationals, I won all of the distance races by like right. a mile. Like, like, you know, yeah, like, and yeah. well, like, and I, that was surprised to me because I was tired. I was, I was training a lot and yeah. Andy was happy. So 30 K we raced 30 K. I won by maybe three minutes. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And I jump on the plane. I fly to Moscow and, uh, my ski bag got lost. So I had to stick in Moscow for another, my two days later, my ski bag arrives. Mm -hmm. uh, I jump on the train, overnight train, arrive to Rybinsk from Moscow, arrive to Rybinsk and people, some, some friends in Moscow helped me out. I arrive to Rybinsk at like 6 a.m. and at 9 a.m. I have a start for 50K. 50K? Yes, 50 kilometers. <laughs> yeah, master. For the, for the Olympic team. Yeah, the trials. Yeah, trials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 my coach was there. So because the my team, the 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 um, my original team was there, right? My old coach yeah, that he used yeah. to go me. So he waxed my skis, and he's just like, "You crazy? Like you didn't sleep?" And and I'm like, yeah. "I don't care. I ha like this is my own. I have to do it." So yeah. I skied, and I had a pretty decent race. I finished fourth, even though yeah. like I cramped up like crazy, and like, yeah. anyways, I finished fourth. I got some more points, which has helped me later. And there was another races later on in Sahad which is in Armenia so like I don't know how is this even like you know legal so yeah. Russian selection trial is held in Armenia at like 2300 meters because that was partially um, uh, training camp for games right so right. after that I make the team and again 
that was that was the start of the media. So there was I don't yeah. know if you remember there was a there was a website in Russia. I think it was skisport.ru, mm -hmm. and it was like first website that was covering cross country skiing in Russia. And 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 like after the World Cups in 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 Ken Kenmore, like my story kind of got caught up, and like people started yeah. chatting, who is that guy? You know, and one of the, my friends from yeah. from my hometown like explain everything. They're like, oh my god, this is an amazing story. Let's support him. And they following me. They like following my results and cheering for me you know and kind of way sorry and then media involved like some newspapers you know yeah. all of a sudden like you know underdog coming in and like beating everyone and trying to yeah. make a kind of team so and i still believe so because of that because that that was created that kind right. of uh you know that story know, profile profile right yeah, in yeah. media and i think that's the only reason they had to take me because yeah. like i i was one i won like all the selection races in in Sahar so i pretty much qualified for all the races in in right. olympic games because i i was right. the best like at the trials at least right yeah. and uh, some people were like Dementi for example he already pre-qualified so he didn't even have to race at the start right. but Lechkov was there and and uh, Chernausov was like uh, there was lots of lots of all yeah. the national team Rochev was there Anyway, so that, I think that's that's the only reason they couldn't like hush hush it and just like yeah. you know for whatever technicality didn't take me. So they had to take me. So they yeah. they took me to the team and I and there was lots of things. So like I come to the Russian Federation and I'm like okay. And there's Davos, like you mentioned Davos. So yeah. Davos World Cup it's pre Olympic, so it's like I think two yeah. weekends before the um, the Olympic game starts. Right. And uh, and I still hold the Russian passport. If you if you don't don't forget that's a big piece because for yeah. to be to to, to travel is a Russian, you have to have a lot of visas for every right. single country, pretty much, right? And that's not an yeah. easy process; it's a long no. process. <laughs> so I come to the Russian Federation, and I'm like, "Hey, like, I need a visa for Davos because the team going." And they're like, "Who are you again? Oh yeah, you're that guy who's stealing our our other guy's spots, real Russian yeah. guy's spots from the team." Yeah. And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa! Like, yeah. I'm I'm here just to like I, I the team like coach taking me, and I, I made yeah. the spot. This is my spot." They're like, "Okay, fine." And so she takes my passport, and she's just like. Okay, choose. Do you want to go to Davos or do you want to go to Italy for Olympic Games? Because two visas two days I can't do for you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> wow. And so I kind of talked to her and she could see that I'm not, not like some, I don't know, like yeah. North American came in and just like demanding yeah. everything. Anyway, yeah. so I had a, and she's like, okay, fine, let's try. So we jump in taxi, go to two different, two different <laughs> embassies. Yeah. We, thank God, last minute, we get both visas. And that's how I end up in Davos. I go to Davos and I, yeah. and I race there as a, as a Russian, in the Russian colors, first time. Wow. So, so I, the Davos was not a selection race. You had already made the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was already okay. made the team by that time. Yeah. So, so besides those people, was there anybody on the team friendly to you when you made the team? Uh, well, all the athletes, like most of the athletes, I would yeah. say ninety percent of the athletes, because they yeah. knew me from before and they kind yeah. of my generation, right? So most yeah. likely, I, I either raced with them in juniors yeah. or like so. Most of them they knew me and they they were quite nice to me. They were they were quite good to me. Yeah, coaching stuff was a bit different, you know, because those are coaches from like Moscow region and region regions are usually competing with each other, right? So so it takes a lot for like for example when they look at the Olympic teams or who to put in each race, they kind of okay. We're gonna start with this guy from this region, this guy from this region, and this guy from this region because that's where the money come from, or like power, or whatever it is, yeah. you know. So, who is just just as an aside to this? I mean, this is a fascinating story, but just from the technical side, I mean, we we tend to like to talk about training a little bit on this. Who is coaching you, and and what were what were some of the things that you think worked for you at this time that made you ski so well? I mean, you didn't really have a coach, did you? 
Oh, great. So th- thank you for bringing that up, actually, because I had that train of thought and I, we, we kind of drifted yeah. away. So when I moved to Canada, right, so my coach is in Russia and like, he, like it doesn't work like that. Long distance yeah. coaching doesn't really work. Even though right. so he supported me, he's helped me with the training plans. But yeah. s- since 2003, I was coaching myself. Wow. And I think that's where that cha- big, cha- biggest change also happened. Because before 2003, I was just following, following the plan of the coach, right? right? Who's right. like, who makes the plan for 15 other guys. Right. And it's like, here's the plan. It's, it's, it's extremely hard, right? If yeah. you survive, you're going to be the best. If yeah. you die, well, good, good, goodbye. Good, 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 go try something else, other sport, right, or something. Like that. So, yeah. and and so me coming back to 2003, I'm, I'm all, all of a sudden I'm my own coach, and I can choose. I have the whole knowledge of all the years yeah. I've done, right, and what's and and all. This is the first time I'm like. Well, I have to figure out what works for me. What works for me, yeah. what doesn't work for me, right? Like, what? Yeah. because I got used to like racing tired for me was norm. And yeah. all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't have to do this. I can, <laughs> I can be a bit more flexible with this, you yeah. know. And I yeah. think that was another big, biggest part, probably how I got to the that confidence level and like yeah. starting winning North American Cup and World Cup all of a sudden because yeah. I I started tempering it a bit better and understanding my body, my own. Because before, yeah. like, if you come to coach and in, in Russia, maybe now it changes, you know. And also, I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> right. This is just this is how like how I saw it, how it yeah, happened yeah. to me, right? And for me, it was like, here's the plan, follow it. Oh, you're tired? Oh, blah, blah, too bad. You know, still go do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And now all of a sudden I'm like, well, it doesn't feel like I'm going to benefit anything from this workout because I don't feel 100%. So maybe right. I'll just sit it out. And, and you know, that flexibility all yeah. came in. And I think this was the biggest, biggest, biggest change for me. But then yeah. later on, I, I, I joined like Canadian team, for example, right? That was later right. on. And, and, uh, and, but like with the factory team and xc.com there was no coach like phil yeah. was like a manager and and yeah. uh, and andy was manager pretty much yeah. right and we yeah. were on their own and on other guys they all go back to their club and work with the coaches and i was pretty much my own coach for for those years <laughs> okay well you did a great job i mean i think that, that that to me is really interesting i think that that's a i think it's a really pertinent um topic that that i think is worth uncovering and i, and I, I think it's, a, it's an important piece of this this interview so thanks for sharing that with us i want to i want to slow now transition from ivan Bobikov, the russian to ivan Bobikov, the canadian but before we do that i'm going to ask you one little thing at any point i mean if you think about the the machine that is russian cross-country skiing world-class cross-country skiing at any point in that torino process i know it was probably tough politically but was there any point that you said, you know, maybe I should just go back to Russia and and and, and do it in Russia? Oh, it's like it sounds like you you know me <laughs> or you yeah, read yeah. it somewhere in my other interviews. But yeah. exactly, you you absolutely right. And that yeah. that thought actually came to me when yeah. I made the Olympic team. When like before yeah. all the shenanigans started, before I went to Olympic Games, right? Because right. all of a sudden, my my childhood dream. Like mm-hmm. watching all of those guys skiing, representing Russian, Russian flag, right? All yeah. of a sudden, I'm part of that system. I'm I'm on the top. I'm at the national team, and believe believe me, being in the national team in Russia, it's it's 
uh, well, I think everywhere, but in Russia, it's like, it, because it's, again, so many skiers, it's really competitive and politically also competitive. So right. it's really hard to get there. Right? right. And, and all of a sudden I'm part of it. And, and all it comes in my, my, my region comes back and saying, Hey, come back. I, we heard you made the Olympic team. Come yeah. back. We give you apartment. We give yeah. you salary. We give right. you all of the, you know, and all of a sudden I have this doubt of sound like maybe this is, this is go back kind of ticket right and yeah. i talking to my wife and she's she's at that time was quite homesick and she wants to go back and yeah. i'm like okay let's try this and and at that point that was before games and all of a sudden i got new uniform there's a russian emblem yeah. here yeah. you know like pride has, right yeah because it has to feel then, good yeah yeah exactly that's yeah. how i grew up right all of yeah. a sudden that the different perspective and i'm like yeah. maybe we try this maybe we try this but then yeah. During the games and, and during that season, it was like just mentally so draining because yeah. for most of the people, I was already Canadian. I wasn't yeah. Russian. I was like, oh, that's a Canadian coming. Hey, Canadian coming in, you know, like kind yeah. of thing because I already moved and my family's there, right? right? So, yeah. and like, it, like, I remember I came back from the games and my wife was just like, what what happened you you look terrible because i was just yeah. like my hands were shaking i wasn't yeah. i wasn't like even though results wise maybe games went okay for me like yeah, quite yeah, good yeah. but but what it wore what it cost me during those times yeah. you know like all this little mingles all the coaches kind of backstabbing yeah. and all that stuff yeah. anyway it's it, and and you know can't, coming back from that you know like i'm like I'm so uh, Svetlana I, I can't do this I yeah. and I realized to myself like e even if I'll stay there and I'll be successful like I'm gonna go like crazy like yeah. you know this is yeah. because then I, I remembered what is it yeah. what is it like to be a Russian skier to be part of the yeah. Russian system you know how tough it is how yeah. like because I got used to to freedom to like my yeah. own choice you know to yeah. like choosing races choosing my like training process and all of a sudden yeah. it's coming back again like this you know and I'm yeah. like and and it it works uh, for for the system right because right, they right. do go through like insane amount of athletes and they right. come out with uh, Ustugov or Lekov yeah, yeah. or Dimitrov yeah, yeah. you know like and and it, it it clearly successful but for me because I already got introduced to North American ways you know like yeah, how yeah. like you know like, and it's all of a sudden made sense to me I'm like right. no like there was this was great I got my experience I got my I got my Olympic experience I'm getting ready for Vancouver which so and I'm I'm good and so we packed up and 2000 I think seven we came back to to Canada. Okay, so they they get they get uh, Ustugov but they lose Bobikov. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I guess which I don't think I don't yeah. think I don't think they they really cared that much because no, I, yeah, you know yeah. they're like I did I did have some nice people in yeah. the federation that, yeah, that, for sure. that that were nice to me and like they were like keen on keeping me and my my oh, my my region as well they like they really wanted to keep me because all of a sudden yeah. they got like they didn't do much you know like for at least for the last five six years so all of a sudden they got national team skier world cup skier Olympic skier right yeah. so it's a big prestige and and uh, but I'm like doesn't matter how much it costs all the apartments salaries whatever you know yeah. so when when people asking so you came ski you came to ski to north america for money to make more money so like i'm like this is the perspective <laughs> really. right no. like so this is it's actually backwards <laughs> yeah, yeah. so so, so let's, let's talk about canada you arrive on canada's national team at a very opportune time you got devin kershaw you have alex harvey 
uh, emerging at the top of the sport. And other guys like George Gray, Stefan Kuhn, and Len Valius, all guys who can, on, on, their, on their right days, you guys, can, you guys can do something as a team. You can do the job. So what was that transition like from the, for, for you from the Russian Olympic team committing to Canada and then having this group going into the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver? What did that feel like? It felt great. But yeah. th- all those guys you mentioned, uh, maybe not Lenny, Lenny younger, he came, yeah, came yeah. in to be a little later, later. Yeah, but, yeah. but Devin, George, uh, Stefan, yeah. right? And Alex was a bit younger too. But yeah, yeah. like I started racing with them from 2003 when I moved, yeah, right? right? And we were all young and we all, they all developing. And yeah, you're right. This is, that was the wave of like, like great yeah. skiers in, in Canada. And again, yeah. I was blessed and lucky to get in that group. And, and so when I came back in 2007 and I think I had to ski in local circuit for a year or two and then 2008 at the end of the 2008 I finally got my passport and I could represent Canada officially even though they actually from 2000 I think six or seven they already included me in the national team they took me to yeah. the camps even though officially I wasn't part of it you know right. but they finally saw the value they said like okay you're here we know you're here and you're gonna here to stay right and this yeah. is this is my home now this is my wife here my son here you know finally I, it took like they I moved them over and so mm-hmm. so and I was part of it and and we're pushing each other like all those guys we're all young we all yeah. and we have younger guys some older guys and 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 all of a sudden Vancouver 2010 it's our backyard right yeah, it's our yeah. uh, our home olympics right and yeah and we had some great coaching we they hired yeah. uh they had some Norwegian coaches before that but then we had um Inge Broughton, Inge Broughton his yeah. sweet Swedish coach who coached like yeah. Bjorn Dali you know Thomas right. Alsgaard all those all those all those icons right and yeah and to to me that was the best like personality coach personality like I took yeah. I learned so much from him it was yeah. it was great even my wife still still now saying like Inge was the best coach Coach, yeah, like yeah. hands down and right. <laughs> you know just because he was he was such a human being you know like right, such an icon right. and like he he even though maybe he wasn't so much involved with us technically or like training right. pro- but like mental aspect of right. the game was yeah. so good and that's why i think we came into vancouver games like you know yeah. like we underdogs nobody nobody knows us but we yeah. we gonna we have something right to show <laughs> yeah Devin said the same thing. We have Devin on the on a previous mm-hmm. podcast, and he said the same thing. And you're tied with Devin as the top Canadian at, at an Olympic in men cross country with a fifth. He was fifth in the 50K, and you were fifth in the pursuit. So um, I called the, the race that you were fifth in for U.S. television. It was my first oh. Olympics as the Olympic cross country commentator for no NBC way. Sports. And, and and just the way it played out, it was the I called it on air. I my co commentator asked me. He's the play by play. He goes. Chad, what was, tell us about this race. And I said, it's maybe the best cross-country race in the Olympic history. And you were fifth in that race. I mean, it was, it was a pretty tactical race. You finished just 6.32 seconds from a medal in fifth. George Gray was eighth. Alex Harvey was ninth. Devin Kershaw, 16th. In what I would call maybe still the greatest cross-country ski race in Olympic history. But it was an amazing performance, really, for all four of you chosen to ski that day for Canada. What was it like to do so incredibly well as a team but still miss that elusive Olympic medal for Canada, but also to race for your new country and do that? Mm -hmm. 
it was definitely special. Like I, yeah. I have goosebumps every time I think about that race. And yeah. again, like I was struggling a little bit with classic these days, those, those yeah. days, you know, like, and the, as you said, there was a breakaway. So it was tactical. It was people drilling it from the beginning. Right. So I yeah. got dropped a little bit on the, on the skate, on the classic part. And then I worked incredibly hard to get back to the pack, um, uh, on the skate leg. And mm-hmm. when I caught up, I actually had no idea that, um, um, he- uh, there wasn't Helner. Was it was it, Olsen. Uh, Johan Olsen. Olsen. Yeah, yeah. Johan Olsen like d- dropped like dropped the pack. Right, he was by himself right. because I thought this is the group. This is right. it. I made it. Right. So and I'm kind of chilling, try to see skiing behind, saving energy. And then all of a sudden they tell you, oh, you're 25 seconds down. And I'm like, to what? do who? <laughs> what, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. happening? Yeah. And then you know what? Looking back, like there is so many things I could have done better, differently. But yeah. even though we've had Inge, Inger is a is a is a coach and coming in mentally really strong, I mm. never that, that was my mistake. I never believed that I'm gonna win the medal or I can win yeah. the medal. I th- I thought I can be top ten. I thought yeah. I can be close. But right. like that mentality for me wasn't there. Yeah. You know that was right. my mistake because if it was, I would have came back to the group and I've skied to the front. Right. And I would have been positionally much better. So because when right. Lekov, if you remember, started oh, yeah, attacking yeah. it, yeah. they bring I was behind Alex, I was behind George, yeah. I was behind Devin. And yeah. when it started going in, I'm like, okay, it's the last lap, I have to go. So yeah. by the time I got around them, yeah. Ski, like I caught back to the, it, it was like lots of flats too, which I'm not strong, but that right. day was just some special. And I slowly catching back to those four who is ahead of me. Yeah. I cut back to the Nortok and I'm like, okay, I can finally ski behind Nortok. He's going to bring me back. Petter yeah. Nortok, right? The yeah, beast. Yeah, yeah. Totally. We come to the last uphill and Petter just skis off the course to the side, like kind of stops pretty much. He, yeah. he gave up he gave yep. up because yep. the pace was so insane. and I'm like are you kidding me head down uh, hammering trying to trying to catch to let off in that group yeah. and it was so short but when we finished I remember it still now like I I was I had tears I was upset and at the same mm-hmm. time I was so happy right because happy right. I'm finished fifth right. at my first at the, at my at the Olympic Games in Canada right yeah. like Fifth. Yeah. Oh my God, such achievement. Yeah. And at the same time, I could like touch like the third the place, bronze, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It was so close. And, and yeah. there was so like, it felt like opportunity. I lost opportunity, but at the same time, incredible. And I'm yeah. happy for my teammates. We're like you said, we're all like, there was four Canadians in what, top 15? Top, top 16. 12 or something? Top 16. Yeah, top t- 16. Yeah. Like, like what? It was nation. almost the best team. Yeah, it was the best team. You're almost the best team right? there. Yeah, and like shocker, and same. Like I was upset and happy at the same time, yeah. and I like, I don't know how to manage it. Like, yeah. And I remember I ran away. I didn't even go through the media corridor because I was yeah. just I just hopped the fence, and I'm like I can't talk to anybody. I'm like a wreck, yeah. you know. Like and <laughs> and I went straight to doping control, and and when I came out, actually, like some of the Canadians they still waiting for me, and I I felt pretty ashamed. I'm like sorry guys for making you yeah. wait for because doping control takes forever. But anyway, yeah. so that day was just like it changed. I think everything and ever everyone started looking at us and all of a sudden after that day we have responsibility we have that pressure you know because like everyone's just like well dude's relay coming up yeah you are the best team you have you have the four fastest skiers from skiathlon which includes classic and skate skate, right right, so on the paper we should be we should be up there fighting for the medals right and 
I think at that moment, mentally, it was a bit, a bit tough, you know, yeah. because yeah. all of a sudden, coming from like underdogs, you know, yeah. to like people yeah. like media is there expecting. Yeah. What do oh, you yeah. think for the relay? You know, like what's yeah. like? Do you know like what's your favorite relay? Like, yeah. like what are you gonna oh, yeah. do? You know, and all of a sudden we just like, uh, you know, oh, like, I, I had oh, you pick okay. for a medal that day. I had you pick for a medal. I said it before the broadcast. Like, I think Canada's gonna win a medal today. <laughs> And it could have been different if not for the classic or for the weather, let's say. Right, you know, right. remember Whistler. Yeah, Whistler yeah. was crazy. You crazy know, like weather, humid, yeah. Yeah. raining, you know. And yeah. that's the day, was the day for Harry's. And yeah. we're not, just looking back now, we were not experienced enough with Harry's. We never yeah. raced with Harry's before. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if for those people who doesn't know, it's pretty much little fuzz under, the, the, kick, under, the, kick under zone, yeah. the kick zone, right? No wax yeah. and try to make sense of how does it work. And so we, we just, like compared to other countries, we were just yeah. not there yet technically, you know, with the, we didn't have right fleet for it and uh, belief, enough belief that yeah. it's actually works, right? And I think yeah. for Devin and Alex, was was tough on that day yeah yeah, yeah. but it's still by all accounts i mean i know there's no medal but it's still it was an amazing olympics for you for you guys and you were obviously a huge Heads part down. of that yeah yeah it was great um you raced your home olympics your your new home olympics in canada a little more okay, than a year so, okay sorry i have to i have to i have to tell this story this okay. is for george gray this is Perfect. for george gray okay this is another another so that it's a relay day right, right. relay day uh, I'm, I'm doing uh, third leg, George yeah. skiing fourth leg, right? I'm right. warming up, Alex, Devon on the course. I'm not even looking where are they going, like, you yeah. know, because of the, all the stress, you know, I'm just focused on my own game. I ski my, I ski my leg. I, I, I think I had a second fastest leg and, and I skied by myself trying to catch the group ahead of me, which yeah. is skiing for the medals. Right. right, I tagged George, and I think it was like we were like eight seconds off the group, you know. Like, right, and he skis like a beast, you know, almost catching up, and then they started attacking. So we we still ended up seventh, I think, ahead right. of Russia. By the way, right, right, <laughs> right? right. I think George was sprinted Russia, which is yeah. like what? Oh, crazy, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and yeah. and late, I come back, and we're like all high fiving. Well, again, bittersweet. Best yeah. result ever for Canadian yeah. team. Yet they expected medals. We right. expected also being at least fighting for that right. podium, right? Right, right? And kind of bittersweet, but still happy. And all of a sudden, I see George. Just I've, uh, George is a is a tough as a nail. You know, yeah, tough yeah. as it make him. You know, yeah. he's like so composed. And I see George crying. He's just like bawling. Yeah. And I'm like, George, what, what happened? What do you mean? Why are you upset? Like, it's been so great. And he, so later I learned that George that day came in and one of the skiers took his uh, ski, skate boots and went training with them by mistake. Yeah. So he, he comes and it was wet. And so he, he warmed up in the pursuit boots. He comes back to change. His boots gone. And Olympic Games, huh. team relay everything at the stake we like and and i can i cannot imagine the stress he had at that moment yeah. he's like i'm not going mental the boots were here like wh yeah. what 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 happened you know and and so he yeah. ended up skiing with the, one of the coaches boots soggy and if you remember that's the before carbon boots it's yeah, those yeah, like yeah. big leather leather yeah, things plastic. that soak yeah. up the yeah. soak up this and so he raced final leg on like not even his boots without his arthritis he arthritis his feet was cramping up and oh. like so like 
mess right and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. after that like he's stressed he just like unleashed and he's just like yeah. i'm sorry guys i don't know what yeah. happened this was crazy day you know like and there's so many there's so many yeah. things like through like it's a roller coaster with that relay team like, it, was, yeah. it was crazy stuff yeah but sorry i interrupted no, you. That, that, that was a great that was a great interrupt me to add stuff like that anytime that is like that is like <laughs> the stuff we want to get into and and those details are amazing because it's amazing like a lot of olympic stories have those little twists and turns that you don't know about until you you, you dig a little deeper so thanks for that that was really great and george gray george gray never skied better than his, in his life than at those olympics it was an absolutely amazing olympics yep. by george gray so so i was going to say you raced your you, you, for your new home country canada you raced a little more than a year after you became a canadian citizen but then your next olympics four years later you returned to the country of your birth for your final olympics in sochi as a canadian it was, by all accounts, a huge games for Russia. The, the first winter games in the history of Russia, an absolutely winter sport crazy country. Did you face any negativity from Russians being a Canadian, uh, you know, dressed in Canadian clothes while you were in Sochi? And was there any media attention in Russia towards you um, for competing for Canada? Yeah, like, you know, when... I remember when Turin was done and, I'm, and they announced that uh, Vancouver was going to be there, this next, and I'm like, oh, I'm in the right place. I live yeah. in the home country, right? This yeah, is yeah. my home Olympics now. And yeah. all of a sudden, I learned that the Sochi, Russia is the next Olympic <laughs> game. So I, I, I actually think that I got, not many athletes has to do, has, has this opportunity, but I had two home Olympic games. Yeah, 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 and yeah. like back to back pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything came with it. Also pressure because like, yeah. Well, it was you're right. It was a lot of media. That was like yeah. time when like Twitter, all of that stuff blowing yeah. up, right? And and it was a lot of attention. It was not only from Canadian media because with my story, with my background, you know right. how they are. Like you know totally. how you are, guys. Yeah, right? Yeah. Just clamp on it because totally. it's a story, and, yeah. and I don't blame you. And yeah. same from Russian. But I can't say there was any negative oh, negative media good. or anything because by that time I'm already Canadian, right? They already right. let me go and. Right. I just kind of uh, mentioned before that I think the only reason they let me go after the touring without any like questions, you know, because they could have like easily said, we're going to because to switch fist license, you got to yeah. technically wait a year in between, right? right? Do right. the loppets or whatever, but you, you cannot just switch right. it. it. There's a rule for that. Unless Federation signs the letter and says we have no no problems yeah. he can ski for canada right and yeah. which is what that what that's what happened but yeah. i think that the reason why that happened because they actually didn't invest in my development you know right. I, I didn't go through the junior team i didn't grow right. to the senior team i just showed up i gave right. them some results you know yeah. bad good or bad whatever but we were good you know so yeah. and i think that's why in sochi it was it was all good like it was yeah. uh, i yeah. was more of like ivan babikov yes i'm dual citizenship and i'm still russian but i i canadian right. now i represent yeah. canada so it was yeah. it was no issue there and, th and that's a fair that's a fair treatment of you i think that, you know you didn't take their money so they weren't gonna they weren't gonna punish you for it so that's, that's actually good to hear so mm -hmm. so i think it's impossible to ignore the implication of the sochi olympics and, and uncovering of the lengths the russians apparently took to ensure success there um i'm not just talking about crossing your skiing either I, the, the money spent alone on hosting the games i mean it, it impacted the bidding process for the next future three olympic games because norway and germany basically voted down to to, to host because of what sochi spent on the olympics I, it, so it, we're not even just talking about the 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 the, uh, the 
the, the doping scandal. But I, and I don't oh. want you to answer anything that feels controversial to you or makes you terribly uncomfortable. But I do feel like I have to ask you to get your impression as a former Russian national, now Canadian citizen, who excelled at one of Russia's most beloved sports that now has no Russians competing in it this year. Russian mm-hmm. athletes we know, and you probably know personally, are nationally politicized in supporting Russian foreign policy. So I'm going to ask a simple question to you. From your perspective, what about Russian sport culture has led to this current situation? Oh, well, I don't know if it's Russian sport, you know, right, led right. to this situation, right? There's, right. there's lo- uh, other, lots of other implementation, other forces, whatever, right. you know, and we are where we are right now, which is yeah. sad, which nobody yeah. needs this, you know, like, and, right. and sports sides losing a bit and the other world sides losing, in loser in this, right? So it's, right. it's uh, no one's winner. So it's, it's tough. It's tough to see yeah. for me. It's tough to see for ski fans, uh, I'm sure, yeah. right? But, but... Uh, you're right. Well, Russian Russian Olympic Games in Sochi was the pinnacle, right? They right. And I actually wasn't aware. Like, well, I I remember they was saying that how much money they spent and whatnot. Right. But about Germany and, and Norway being being uh, runners up, I don't even recall that. But yeah, it, it was a big deal. You you said it right, and yeah. and that comes back to the to the culture of like how important sports right. system I- in Russia is, right? right. So so right. after the World War Two or like all of that, like sport was considered as one of the ways to show um, the strength of right. the Russian right people and 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 right. whatnot and and I'm sure if if if, if another if I'm sure in Norway that's never been the case you know the, right. they never showed it as a, as an army strength or whatever it right. is right? It, right it's been sport right but right. but in Russia it's always been one of those sh- put it on the map and like we're right. the best country right we're right. the fittest we're the fastest whatever yeah. it is right yeah. so. Yeah. And and I'm not surprised they they won so many medals in in Sochi and all the scandals and that's different story and all, everything right. came out of it. It's it's of course it's quite quite dark cloud. Yeah. There. But uh, yeah. I mean, but they won medals. They they show the strongest and that's what they wanted to do. Right? Yeah. So yeah. and uh, it was for cross country skiing side of it. It was it was tough because the conditions yeah. were were tough and and we struggled with some waxing. But right. um, and just just well, we have to be uh, serious that to say that um, our. Th- that games were than our best games. Let's just yeah. put it that way, right? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We came out of that pretty, pretty not depressed, but just disappointed, right? Yeah. With with, with how it all went down. Yeah. Are you in contact with any any of the the uh, Russian athletes or coaches and, and staff in Russia right now? How are they? How are the? Uh, are you aware of how the national team is handling the not being not competing or or anything? Um, I'm I'm in contact. I like Ilya Chernausov. Actually, he was yeah. in Sochi, right? And now he's actually in Switzerland. He's coaching, yeah. I think, Liechtenstein team. And so we kind of back and forth chatting yeah. here and there. So so he's the kind of the only friend of mine that we kind of keep in touch. Yeah. Uh, with Russian, not so much. Like maybe here yeah. and there, like some text or yeah, some yeah. messages. You know, yeah. like how are you doing and, and all that stuff. But uh, well, it looks like I'm following some Instagram and yeah. looks like they had their Russian Cup and the racing. There's still some yeah. racing happening. Pretty pretty strong racing because all of the World Cup skiers are in Russia now, right? So right. It's, the le- level is through the roof. So, yeah. I mean, again, no one wins out of this, right? No, it's, it's sad. Uh, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a sad thing. So uh, let's talk about where you are today. And this is kind of, I'm kind of winding it down now. Um, yeah. you, you're now the sport development director and provincial coach for Alberta Skiing. Um, can you describe kind of what's important to you in this new position and what kind of coach and, and, and uh, an administrator are you? 
Well, I was telling like so when when people ask me or my friends or coaches asking who who are you coaching these days, right? And I'm, and I'm, my answer is always uh, everyone and no one, you know, like, <laughs> at least in Alberta, because yeah. I am I, I like you said, yeah, I have an Alberta ski team and Alberta development team ski team, so which is younger guys, um, but and I organize training camps for them throughout the summer and the winter, and I lead some like we have a Canada Winter Games coming up this year, and and there's some other other competitions, right? So I'm in, I'm in charge of that for the Alberta to to have Alberta team and whatnot. But unfortunately, I don't coach them full time because they all attach to the clubs and they yeah. all have their own coaches and whatnot. So in ter- that term, like it's it's quite similar. But at the same time, I'm trying to help every ski in Alberta and every yeah. coach in Alberta, right? So I'm, I'm I'm trying to so yeah, develop sport sport development director, what whatever that means, <laughs> right? So trying to improve cross country skiing like in general in Alberta, right? From grass. Yeah routes recreational skiers and high performance of course high performance uh, for when you in high performance when you're competing in the highest level for you high performance is the everything right, right, right <laughs> but right. it turns out it's actually a really small percentage of the population skiing population how many people involved in the sport right, right so right. so it's it's really important to to develop grassroots so you actually have that high performance and have those people moving up through the through the yeah. chain right and yeah. and don't forget that so so I'm working on that I'm trying to improve club system I'm trying to develop good coaches yeah. uh, coaches that uh, up to date with the technique and and yeah. all of the knowledge of ski, skier preparation right skier yeah. development cool uh, so uh, final question to this point in your life and you're still a relatively young guy um, <laughs> thank what you are, what are you most proud of oh Oh, that's a that's a good one, and I no one ever asked me that, and I don't know. I need to think about it. I think I'm. I don't know if I can say proud, but I'm just yeah. I'm thankful. I'm I'm yeah. thankful for for opportunities that came came to yeah. my life. Like you know, if you again, if you look back and look at Kozhova and where it's located and yeah. and where I am now and and yeah. uh, where I've been, what I achieved, right? And uh, unfortunately, I can't I can brag about Olympic medals, uh, but I mean th- this was my journey. So I'm yeah. I'm proud of my journey. I'm proud that where I'm end up, and I'm proud that I still share my knowledge. I I trying to you know like what I learned in transition from from athlete to coaching um, it's that before it was like all here right yeah. it's all closed in and I know what I'm doing and I know yeah. what I need to do and nobody else need to know this right yeah. and when that f- flipped I learned actually that I'm actually enjoying giving this information, this knowledge to yeah. the, to my teammates, even you know, because yeah. when I when I it's my season, my career kind of ended abruptly because I quickly became national team coach <laughs> because yeah. there was a need, and I I took team to the Pyeongchang actually, so I led Olympic games as a coach, you know, but yeah. that's that's all everything happened in a short period of time. But what I'm I think what I'm proud that I I could quickly adjust and 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 help other skiers my teammates you know mm-hmm. to to achieve something to to find something about not just themselves but about the process that they might maybe didn't see and that was for me learning also lesson because when i started sharing it and i and and i actually realized those people don't know about it you know they right. never thought about it that way and i'm like yeah. really Okay, so and then when I shared it, I could see that their interest and spark in their yeah. lives, like, oh my god, yeah, I can, tr- I'm gonna try this, you know, and yeah. and that's where I learned that that my my unique 
background from growing up in one system, going through Canadian system and spending so much time in U.S. system, right? And yeah. and my own experience and all the coaches, the like great coaches I went through that that I have something special in you that I can I can I can pass it on. You know, like it's, it cannot be just with one person. Yeah. <laughs> it has to, I have to inspire, I have to prepare athletes, I have to prepare coaches, you know, and, and, and kind of, yeah, develop that way and develop other people as well. So it's not just for myself. I don't know if it answered your question. It was too it's, long. <laughs> it's a great, great answer. And, and Ivan Babikov, it's, it's an incredible journey, an incredible story. And we are so thrilled to be able to tell, uh, share your story with our listeners and we really thank you for your for your for sitting with us tonight and, and 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 talking about your life thanks my pleasure chad thanks for bringing up those yeah. moments that you still give me shivers <laughs> i think that western attitudes particularly american attitudes but canada can certainly be included but so let's just say the west in all caps and russia well the attitudes towards each other have been suspicious maybe since forever and we don't truly understand each other's cultures much if at all we maybe never have it's perhaps never been more clear today at this moment if you consider our own history and that of our cold war parents then our bolshevik revolution era grandparents here are three generations of divergent culture alone that to expect any smooth cultural transition of a single human being from one culture to the other in either direction is well a thing of impressive navigation, I think. And that's removing elite ski racing from the picture entirely. As ski racing goes, Canada, compared to the Soviet and post-Soviet Russia, could not be more different. In his 2013 book, Everyone to Skis, William Frank paints the picture in the only English language study of the matter that biathlon and cross-country skiing provided the perfect ideological platform to promote the state's socialist viewpoint and military might that transcends the government's primary quest for post-war success at the Olympics. In short, cross-country skiing and biathlon were the most highly regarded sports in Soviet life as bastions of what the government's ideology of human quality citizens should admire and aspire to as Soviets. Nowhere else in the world is that exactly the case for the sport of skiing. Ivan Bobikov grew up with the residue of that deep-seated cultural value still affecting all aspects of the sport he grew to love and be good at. But, miraculously, Bobikov never truly prospered within the machine that sport culture created. He, ironically, by a twist or two of fate, found the key to his ultimate success in the freedom of Canada, where the sport meant nearly nothing to the cultural fabric of the nation compared to where he came from. And just to underscore where many minds are going off that last thought, about Russian means taken to an end to win. Consider the lengths that athletes and clubs go to in order to win in pro sports that Americans and Canadians really care about and pump money into, like football, baseball, and ice hockey. Consider the very public revelations of the lengths the Russians went to to win medals at the Sochi Olympics against the methods to win the Super Bowl or the World Series and the Stanley Cup. And I think you'll actually find a greater kinship than you might want to admit compared to Russia's motives and methods within the Olympic sports movement with its history of amateurism, explicit fair play, and anti-doping efforts, all novel ideas. But we don't hold our pro sports to the same standards as our Olympic sports because, well, they're professional. You get paid for them. I'm not saying that the NFL, Major League Baseball, or the NHL let Russia off the hook in their beloved Olympic sports and their relatively willingness to break the rules to do so. I'm just trying to paint Russian skiing culture of Ivan Babikov's life experience as sort of a pro sports machine we are all more familiar with with our pro teams. 
Certainly we cannot claim a great moral superiority in our cultural sport priorities when we consider Russian skiing's transgressions against the Olympic sport and instead compare it to that to what goes on behind closed doors with, say, the New England Patriots organization, for example. I'm saying consider Russian skiing as the New England Patriots for a moment, with the might and the, of the government behind them. In that context, Ivan Bobikov sidestepped a sporting experience that carried with it much heavier details and emotional baggage and financial implications and personal implications for an experience that was fairly whimsical by comparison. And we can celebrate that. He essentially went to the minors to get to the starting lineup for the Stanley Cup team and sidestepped all the untoward details that emerge in a professional sports organization capable of getting to that level. Not only that, but the front office really didn't want him in that starting lineup. It's an amazing story that could, in today's political climate, be overlooked entirely and be completely misunderstood at the very least. Ivan Bobikov transcended his surroundings to experience one of, if not the most unique careers of any ski racer in history. And he did it in a time that was next to impossible to pull something like that off. Certainly, his perspective is one of a kind. He tells what must have been a heavy, hair-raising story at times with an incredible amount of levity and good nature. You can almost hear the positive self-talk in his own head that steered him towards a happier life and catapulted him to the top of the sport, despite the mountains of things that could have worked against him to keep him from getting there. In these skeptical times, it's an attitude we can all learn from. That's the show for this episode. I'm Chad Salma. Thanks for listening.